Um, you want to do it? You want to do it live? Sure, absolutely. We're doing, it, we're doing it live. Oh, okay. <laughs> right on. Do the thing. Hey, what's happening, y'all? Andy and Zach here. We are at a new spot for the podcast. Uh-huh. Not a new spot for our personal enjoyment, but this is Fat Bottom Brewing. Just right around the corner from Zahn's, where we have been broadcasting for the last couple weeks. And Andy's enjoying a super thick oatmeal stout. It's like a milkshake. It's great. And I'm keeping it light with a ginger wheat. How is it, by the way? It's good. You have you know, a little taste of taste? Sure. You want to trade? Yeah. Okay. Oh, here we go. Live, live taste test. Well, that is pretty good. He's right. The ginger's not too overpowering. Yeah. It's pretty good. I like dark beer. It's it's very smooth. I figured it would have a more uh, like strong like taste, acidic, like a bitterness. Yeah, to it. yeah, yeah. It's very smooth. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Oatmeal it goes down easy. So yeah, fat bottom. Yeah, cool spot. Mm-hmm. And it's quiet today, aside from the music. Right. But it's quiet. There's no, <laughs> there's no uh, lawnmowers running. There's no. Oh, there's one thing that is missing from this environment. And that was our distraction just across the street from last week. Oh. Yes. Right. No, we don't have that. Right. But. No, nothing. Well, I would say there's nothing to distract us, but we're still sitting by the window That's on a true. somewhat busy street. That's true. And the weather today is insane. Like, it keeps storming like crazy for about 10 minutes. And then it quits. Yeah. I went out to the gym earlier today to try to film some stuff because it was cloudy. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, the lighting's better, yeah. That's the best time to get to get some content in. So I get to the gym and it starts pouring rain. All hell broke loose. And I'm like, okay, I'll just wait 10 minutes and then it'll be... Was this today five. around like 11, 30, 12? Yes. Okay. So it pours down rain and then it gets sunny. Oh, so 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 it was just hot. I was doing meal preps. I had to go outside to the grill. Yeah. While it was pour, like I had to, I had to find an umbrella. I was like, I don't even think I have an umbrella in this house. My chicken's gonna burn. It's just gonna burn because I can't go outside because it is a monsoon. And it, I brought it. I found an umbrella. Went outside to flip my chicken, and there's water pouring everywhere. I still got soaked. Yeah. But I got my meal prep done. Good. Well, you got more meal prep done than I got filming done. Oh, okay. so so good for you. Uh, yeah, and then that was a drag because the hot noontime sun just came right out. And I, I was walked. Like, I oh, my, this is a lost cause. I let my dog out when the sun came out again, and I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like being in a sauna. Yeah, I was it like, was. Um, you're just instant sweats. So, yeah, well. We'll see, but um, I've got quite the article and what will soon be a YouTube video. It'll be a deep dive on the Kettlebell Military Press. So okay. I've done I've done some of these like deep dive articles slash videos on the Kettlebell Snatch, Kettlebell Clean, and I think that's it so far. So, so I'm slowly making my way through all the major kettlebell lifts. So, um, but you're writing an article? Yeah. So my workflow has kind of been writing a article 
and then retooling it as a YouTube video script. Mm. And so then I kind of just kind of pair them together. So I basically say like, oh, if you've landed on the article and you'd rather watch the video, here it is on YouTube. And if you find my stuff on YouTube, which is more often the case, and you, you know, if you want to get the same information in article form, which is obviously a little bit different. I go into some different stuff, you know, that's appropriate for one medium versus the other. Um, but lately, that's, that's how I have been approaching content is having, having just one big idea and writing it out as an article and retooling it as a YouTube script. Now, I feel like between those two avenues, I really get everything out that I need to say. Okay. I like that idea. Yeah. It's very um, comprehensive. Yeah. And that's kind of the idea is I want to have all my kind of pillar content out before I start getting too cutesy with my content. Okay. Yeah. So speaking of content and specifically writing, mm-hmm. I pulled up my Quora app for the first time today in a long time. And at some point I, I looked at the metric, you know, you know what Quora is, right? Mm-hmm. For our listeners who don't know what Quora is, it's like a... I don't know what it is. What is Quora? You uh, ask questions and yeah, people it's write like, in answers. It's yeah. like it's it's almost kind of like Reddit, right? Okay, yeah. so it's like Reddit. And so I don't write, and we've talked about this before. I haven't written anything of any like anything significant in well over a year. But I have a Quora account because it does force me to write because people will ask, will request my answer to their questions. Mm. Here's one that I found today, and if you want, we can flesh it out. And because I, I thought about it, I, like on my drive around town today. I didn't answer this question because I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna answer this question for this for David. I'm gonna answer this question for for me and you, or our audience. But I thought it was an interesting question. David might be a listener. David might be a listener. I kind of doubt it, but let's. But he asked. He he specifically asked my input on this question. What is the brutal truth about being and staying fit? What's the brutal truth? What's the brutal truth about <laughs> being and staying fit? I didn't, so I haven't... Oh, that's it, an easy one. I haven't answered this question yet. Obviously, we're going to flesh this out in real time. What's the brutal truth about being and staying fit? But I had to think about it for a minute because we obviously live this lifestyle of like fitness professionals, guys who like to lift and eat food and perform. Sure. We have this lifestyle. We coach clients who want to improve their lifestyle, want to get stronger, lose fat, you know, build, you know, capacity, you know, work capacity, whatever you want to call it. Like, we're trying to help improve the lives of our clients, whatever. The brutal truth about being and staying fit, and I don't know if I had an answer for it, outside of the context of it, my lifestyle sort of revolves around it. So I was curious your thoughts. I'm putting you on the spot here. The brutal truth about being or staying fit. Well, I think if I'm reading between the lines, what this person is asking, or is like trying to poke at, is like, what is the not so glamorous part about being like a super fit, a stereotypically super fit person? I didn't. I didn't read it like that. But okay, that's that's, that's how I'm reading it. Let's let's see. Let's run with yours. Uh, That. Nobody cares. See, I didn't. And we've 
And we've talked we've, about this. We've talked about this. It's like the, the brutal truth. The is, brutal. The brutal truth is, no is like, <laughs> yeah, like, like nobody cares. I mean, like, and here, here's the funny thing. I mean, like, yes, you feel better on the day to day than you would if you weren't engaging in a fitness regimen. Right. But everything is relative, and and there's adaptation to where, you know, you don't know how good you feel on the day to day until you feel bad. Right. You know, so it's it's not like I wake up every day and I'm like, wow, I feel great because I am healthy and fit. Right. Every now and then I have that thought because, I mean, sometimes you wake up and you have a broken leg. And, you know, and some of these things you have to, like, kind of face head on. It's like, what are you say, taking that, for granted? That reality hasn't changed much in the last four months or whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and again, it's like, it's funny the things that you adapt to because I've adapted quite well to not having use of my my right leg so yeah so i would say that's kind of like the main thing the brutal truth is it's like nobody cares and it's a grind like anything else and you know it's it's glamorous every now and then like if you hit a pr or you find like a new ab or a new bicep vein or something like that but honestly it's it's chop wood carry water i mean it's the same it's the same old thing every day. So I think a lot of times marketing and, you know, the the machine of consumerism paints losing weight, achieving a certain physique, you know, things in that vein. They paint those things as being very, you know, glamorous. Same kind of thing as like making a bunch of money. It's, it's all very glamorous. But the brutal truth is, is that a, it's hard, monotonous work, oftentimes. doesn't mean it's not fun. It's, it is fun. But it's, but the not, just like anything else, the novelty wears off pretty soon. Nobody really cares, so don't try to do it to impress anybody. And like a lot of things, it always takes a lot more time and a lot more work than you think it is going to. Okay, so I'll, I'll compound on that. The, so... Now the, the term "fit" is pretty loosely applied here, but let's let's run to the extreme ends of fitness, right? Like, let's say you want to be porn star lean, have visible abs, be jacked, yoked, whatever. What if I um, want to be like this gal here in Simone? the Olympics? Simone Biles. Is that who that is? That's who that is. Yeah, she's like the num- she's the best. Uh, I don't know how well she's doing right now. I've heard she's not doing as well as she had hoped, but I haven't, wa- I've been, haven't been actively watching. The guy downstairs was like, you've been watching the Olympics? And I was like, nah, not really. If there was one sport that I wish I did get into as a kid, that I feel like I would have been, maybe, I, I would have had like some genetic advantage. Pommel horse. I feel like it could have been the pommel horse. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm short, small. Yeah, a lot of upper back or upper body yokeness. Right. So I feel like I don't know. I feel like a lot of people have asked me if I am a gymnast or if I have a gymnastics background. I'm like, no, I kinda kinda wish I did, but Yeah. Right. And gymnasts are super jacked. Yeah. They are yeah, they are super jacked. Could you imagine? I don't know what they call it, the rings thing where you you like do it's like a human flag on the rings or whatever oh iron cross iron cross or yeah well the iron cross but there's another one yeah i think we're good right now you want to get another one you're still good 
I would love another oatmeal stout. Another one? Um, it's on my tab, Andrew Van Grinsman. All right, gotcha. Did thank you have a token that you wanted to use? I've already used it. You did? All yes, right. thank you. Um, taking advantage of that two for one today. Yeah, man. Um, all right, so back to the question. So the word, the word fit, the, the brutal truth about being or staying fit. Let's take the word fit and, and let's take it to the extreme end. I'm not talking about your, like, workout three days a week, like to do some cardio, but you drink beer and eat wings on the weekend kind of fit. I'm not talking about, like, weekend warrior fit. I'm not talking about your average Joe fit. I'm talking about porn star lean visible abs fit. Or let's say, let's take it another way, getting as huge as possible, as big as possible. The brutal truth about being having visible abs. Now, I have clients that have this goal. You, I'm certain, have clients that have this goal. The brutal truth about having visible abs is that you're probably going to be hungry all the time. Mm. You are, like, that's... Unless you're performing at a really high level, always... And by performing at a really high level, I've done this, where I'm performing very hard six days a week. I don't drink, and I don't eat garbage. And I say garbage, everyone, everyone understands kind of what I'm talking about here. Yeah. Like, I don't eat pizza, don't eat wings. I'm not talking about don't eat them on... Like, I don't eat them occasionally. I don't eat them ever. I drink almost, like, alcohol almost never... And when you have visible abs, you're more than likely going to be a little bit hungry all the time. It's just yep. part of the game. Yep. And by like, so anytime you like, you've been walking around the house, you've been at work, and you feel like that hunger bug, and you're like, I need to eat something. If you want visible abs, <clears throat> you have to assess that moment and be like, I will not eat anything right now. I'm right. just going to enjoy being hungry. Mm-hmm. Now you're not going to die. Like plenty of people don't eat very much, and they're fine. You're going to be okay. But the brutal truth about having visible abs is that you're going to have to kind of wallow in some misery a little bit. Sure. It's not free. Unless yep. you're a genetic freak or, again, unless you're performing at an ultra-high level. We're talking about like six days a week, maybe seven of doing something active and very restrictive in your diet. Mm-hmm. Then you have a little bit. But even still, it's insane. So, yeah. It's not, it's not easy. It's not comfortable. Right. If it was easy and comfortable... Everybody would do it. Everybody would have his blabs. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. And then the other side, the flip side of that is like, let's say you want to get as yoked, as jacked as possible. You have to eat to excess to mm. the point of like, you want to vomit. To the point of the sight of food makes you want to vomit, but you have to eat it. Right. Like gluttonous. And we're not, and if you do it right, you'll do it right. You'll proteins, veg, you know, whatever. You're not going to be like, Wolfing down pizzas all day long. I mean, you could. It's just not going to be optimal for performance or whatever. Sure. So the, the brutal truth. Thank you so much. So anyway, I haven't answered this question on Quora, but you could just send a link to this. I'll just send a link. Be like, listen to this podcast. <laughs> Subscribe. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're exactly right. It's not glamorous it's not easy and that's that's kind of the whole secret if there is one is finding the joy in the discomfort right and that's that's kind of what this book mastery is kind of always kind of circling around to and that's i mean if you want to be good at anything if you want to be above average to elite at anything sacrifice is is the obvious 
thing that you have to make friends with. Right. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Brutal truth. Brutal truth. I tell my, all my clients the same, too. Like, I don't beat around the bush. I'm like, if you want visible abs, it's, I think everyone, whoever has the, had the goal, not everybody has that goal, and that's fine. But anybody who's ever been like, you know what, I would really like to have visible abs in my life, I think it's a great goal to achieve at least one time. Sure. To know what it takes to get there. Yep. But we're talking about, in terms of, like, fitness, visible abs is, like, elite level. Mm-hmm. But something debatably achievable by all people I'm never going to be at the Olympics doing anything like I might be at the Olympics as a spectator but I'm never going to be at the Olympics as an athlete that's never going to happen in my lifetime but fitness to a certain degree is something that I can achieve you could, if, if they have four runner fixer upper I wouldn't even make Olympics. it. To, I wouldn't even make it to that. You could maybe you could be on the team. I wouldn't be on the team. I have a very limited knowledge compared to most guys. I have more knowledge than the average person, and far less knowledge than the elite level just, Toyota just, guys. <laughs> I'm just trying to talk you up, Andy. So anyway, but yeah, yeah, this stuff ain't easy. There's there's no free lunch. You can say that about so many things in life. Like there's no free lunch. There's nothing worth having that doesn't come with sacrifice and hard work but that's not bad you know I, I think if there's one kind of mind virus that I see my generation and maybe the younger generation suffering from it's, it's this equating like hard work or the, the monotony of practice equating that with like you know negative feelings or, or maybe maybe like a sense of failure you know like oh if I'm so good like this this should be easy or you know if I'm really passionate about something it should be easy you know and it's like mm, nah and I've mentioned this in content in in several different forms you know before <laughs> but uh <laughs> see we get all kinds of entertainment no matter where we go but I believe it was my mom who said, "Are they coming you know, up this and way?" It's, I, I have no idea. It's, he's clearly our our friend is confused. We're clearly, uh, they don't know. They just want to get out of the rain. I guess, and I can't blame them. Okay, that's a big crew. They just keep they coming. Just, just <laughs> one more. And okay, all right. One, and yeah, more, oh. and another yeah. One. wow, it's a party now. Yeah, it is a party. Okay, so I believe it was. You know, my mom said something to the effect of, you know, if you're if you're doing something that's important or, you know, rare, be prepared that it will take you twice as much time, it will cost twice as much money, it will involve twice as much effort as you would want mm. or as you're planning for. And I have found that to largely be the case for a lot of things in life. Yeah. You know, whatever you think you're in for, whatever you're kind of mentally budgeting, just go ahead and double it. And if doubling your investment in whatever, you know, resource that may be, time, effort, money, if it's worth doubling your investment and you're still okay with doing it, 
then go for it. Okay. But if you think like, hmm, I don't know if I'm willing to put in twice of whatever in order to do this thing, then it's probably not worth doing. I like that. It's a, it's a good, I think that's a good little life lesson I got from my mom there. I dig it. Yeah. Alright, so <clears throat> moving on to philosophy again. Sure. Wait, was there something else we were going to talk about? Uh, exercises that we oh, have recently that, incorporated. Okay, and I haven't thought about this. I need you to start. So, extra, extra, in the last year, exercises that we've incorporated. Right. Ex- you know, things that you've historically never done that you now do, at least to some degree. I really just thought of that on the way over here, thinking about the hack squat machine. Oh. I'd never done hack squats before. Uh, you know, I worked at a, you know, at a lifetime for four years. I don't know if I ever touched the hack squat machine that we had there. Uh, oh, I have, I have a bunch of these now. You just opened my mind. See, there you go. Yeah. I, I figured I would. So hack squat, hack, I still don't, I still don't like it better than just regular squats, or for that matter, even like heels elevated squat. Um, but it does have a unique, it does put a unique stressor on the legs, mm-hmm. you know, specifically on the quads and the knees. So we have literally been doing hack squat on the machine with little to no weight. Well, i I actually, I, like during the week when I do the hack squat, I have plates. I'm glad you snuck that in there. As my regularly scheduled program. I'm glad you snuck that in there. Yeah, I did. I, I have leg. a broken leg though, so right. I have a good excuse. Yeah, and but, I'm not complaining on Saturdays when we do like 15 reps on the unloaded hack squat. But that burns. sucker is hard. It is hard. That's I like. Real I hard. actually do. I really like it. Yeah, I think maybe we should try the other hack squat machine next time. The one that sort of has like that weird. The one that everyone faces backwards on. And you're the like, one that's why? free floating. Yeah. The one that everyone faces backwards on. Yeah. I'm like, what do you? Why? Also, also, okay. yeah. I don't. I think. Outside of you and I, I'm pretty sure I can count on one hand in 10 years the number of people I've seen who have, been, who have used a hack squat the way it was intended to be used. Everybody else... Go in the wrong direction. Mostly ladies. Like to... <laughs> like to uh, reverse themselves on the hack squat machine. Ostensibly, because it's more glute focused, even though it isn't. Ostensibly. But, but so anyway. Yeah. Okay. The hack. So here's the nice thing. What I love about Gym Five is it has literally everything that I don't have in my normal job and haven't had in my normal job in a long ass time. Mm. So, like to your point, I I am preferential to barbell back squats, barbell front squats, but because I broke my arm or tore my bicep, I've been relegated to the safety squat bar when I'm at work. And, um, or the hack squat or the leg press at gym five. And I'm very much into the hack squat and the leg press at gym five. Mm. Mostly because I can get an overload effect without, that's the advantage, right? So the leg press and the hack squat are both on a track. The, The machine moves only in one way. There's no balancing act as like an athlete in it. I just have to move up and down, move the weight. And so... For there's gonna all right, so there's gonna be someone on this 
podcast, listening to this podcast, it's going to say something along the lines of, well, can you build as much muscle or, or whatever, using machines as a barbell? And you and I both would answer yes. Like, I don't think there's any question here. Now, if you're a barbell athlete, it would behoove you to use a barbell for 90% of your training. But right. if you use a leg press or hack squat as an accessory to all that, it'd probably be good for you. It'd probably allow you to continue training when maybe your body's feeling a little bit beat up from doing barbell stuff. But let's say your whole goal is just to build muscle and burn calories. The hack squat, leg press, barbell squat, front squat, safety squat bar, they're all viable options. They're all great options. So long as you load it up in a way that challenges you. Right. You're going to build muscle mass. So, and, and arguably, because the hack squat and the leg press are both more stable, you don't have to provide stability to the machine. Arguably, right. you could load it heavier than you could ever load it with a bar. So, in a way, it's a tool that could allow you to overload the system that you wouldn't otherwise be able to tap into with a barbell on your back or front racked. Yeah. So, I wouldn't say that they're the same. But I think they're awfully complimentary. So, hack squat? Hack squat. But, I mean, shit. If we go by gym five alone, uh, um, lat pull downs? Oh, you really like that pull down that's outside? So there's a, there's a, we'll call it a lat pull down. It's a, it's a machine, but it's an independent, two independent handles. And because they're independent, I can load them independently and overload my left side because it's my strong arm. And then because I'm recovering from the bicep tear, I can load the right side and go through the motions with old, like lighter weight. Yeah, not only is that pull down machine, does it have independent arms, it also has handles that swivel. Right, so you can which really, I really like. I love that machine. Yeah. I guess we could say any machine variation, Gym 5 has. Yeah. So like machine presses. The, they have the hammer strength plate loaded machine press, which I like because as I'm recovering from you know, my bicep tear, I like a machine more than a dumbbell because I don't have to provide stability to the system. It, it works on a singular track. So I can o- start overloading the muscle tissue without risk of like getting things in position. Mm-hmm. Without risk of like moving stuff around, I just have to load the plate and go to town. Right. So machine presses, plate loaded machine pulls, whether that's vertical or horizontal. Um, lat pull downs, which look like a pull up, but they're machine version, but they're they are different. They activate different muscle tissue. I really like the lat pull down. Leg curls, leg extensions, calf raises. Like that's the beauty of Gym Five is it's got all the machines that I haven't had the had access to in the last six or seven or eight years right so yeah you know what we did last weekend um that i insisted that we do was the one arm cable horizontal row yep i don't know what it is about that particular setup but like the bench is pitched down you know what I mean? Towards your feet. Yeah, it's, it's right. pitched down towards your feet. It's not. It's not flat. It's yeah. Yeah. You're right. And and I feel like that. And it's kind of weird because you're not. I don't really. I'm kind of having a hard time visualizing or understanding why that would make a big difference. So I've got it. 
So when the bench is... Well, it's not always the case. They, do they always have the foot placement? Yeah, there's no adjusting that happens on that bench. Right, but they always have the foot placement? Uh-huh. What I like about... Maybe the pitch down plus the foot placement on this one is it puts your torso in a more sort of neutral position. So in other words, you're not like... You're not like pitched forward, feet up like this, where you're sort of dumping your hips this way and extending through your spine this way to try to counteract the weight. Right. Because of that pitch down, it's almost like this more natural. Yeah, well, I will say this, and I've been experimenting this with this with all of my horizontal pulling, is having a more pitched forward angle. When you say pitched forward, you mean... From the torso. Flexed? Yeah, yeah. Almost, yeah, kind of, kind of hunched almost. Okay. Because I do feel like that... I do feel like you get more lats that way than if you start Extended. perfectly straight. Right. You know, which we've probably talked a little bit about, like the importance of having some appropriate amount of scapular and shoulder protraction, retraction. So I think a certain natural amount of turning, twisting, protraction, retraction through the shoulder and the lats kind of helps to target the muscle a little bit more. And I think. I think we've talked about this uh, maybe a few weeks ago on how I've been kind of experimenting with the difference between targeting more of the upper back, like let's say like rear delts and rhomboids versus the lats in ostensibly the same exercise, just at different angles. So all this to say, on that particular machine where the bench is pitching you down uh, towards the feet, um, hooking up a single handle on that machine and I'll I'll lean forward and I'll kind of turn my torso into the arm that I'm working so I kind of have a subtle cross body stretch mm -hmm. across and pull and I just I really I, I have felt my lats more in that particular variation of that row than almost any other exercise. Uh, I, I would agree. I like that one. Yeah. And again, for me, I, I like the single handle because I can overload the left side, my strong side, and then gradate the right side yeah. carefully. And I think it's also kind of easier to target the lats if you're doing them one at a time. Yeah. I like that rotation. Yeah. yeah. You know what? So if you do a dumbbell one arm row in a similar way, this is a Pat Davidson thing. Is, I don't know if you and I talked about this, but as let's say you're pulling with the right side, usually one arm row, you get a hand on a bench. Let's say you're three point, hand on the bench, is to drive the left hand into the bench as you pull into that row. Mm. And then you go pinky to pocket, which is more lat. So you're pinky to pocket and pushing into the surface that you're mm. posted up on. So it's an active push, push pull, pull. Excellent. than it is just like a post. Yeah. I like that. I like that. And it, I think it does the same thing as far as like not extending through my thoracic spine or whatever. Yeah. Sort of flexing into it or whatever. Anyway. Yeah. And then another lat thing that I've been experimenting with from uh, Jordan Shallow, the muscle him. doc. I don't follow him. Uh, pretty sure he's Canadian. He's got a big beard. You'd probably recognize him if you saw him. But the way that he likes to do a one-arm row is he will kind of get into like a power sumo squat stance and be posted up kind of like in a three-point stance on a bench and same kind of thing like I was mentioning with the 
uh, cable row is he will reach his one arm row dumbbell weight across his body down towards his opposite foot and drive and turn and twist out like so. Mm. So same same kind of idea. You're getting a big stretch cross body yeah. and then a simultaneous row turn and then again, like you said, driving that elbow down. And uh, yeah, I mean, again, I think when you do single-sided exercises, it, it, they, they just seem to hit the lats so much, I would say easier. I don't know if I want to say better, but I will say easier because I've done lat pull-downs and I've gotten sore in my lats, but it's, I've, I've always felt it's a little bit tricky to really get the both lats really t- specifically targeted doing a double-handed lat pull-down. That might just be me. There's a, uh, it's easier when I have both arms, but there's a way to set it up where you're almost like crunched into it. And then a lot of people, when they do a lat pull-down, pull elbows behind them. Right. It ends up being almost like an upper back. If you pull, same thing, if you go wide grip and you pull elbows to pockets, but it's not just that, because what happens is with a lot of weight, you sort of extend into it this way. So what you have to do is really lock in those thighs and then pull up against that. So you're driving knees up and almost like crunching into position mm. and then pulling. So in other words, your um, pelvis and your thorax, your uh, uh, rib cage, Mm. Your pelvis and your ribcage are like pointed at each other. Stacked. So, right. So you're not in this sort of splayed open. Extended position. Extended position. Right, you're right. sort of in this like stacked neutral and then pulling elbows to pockets. Again, not not elbows behind you, but elbows down. Right. So, yeah, and that goes, that goes back to what I was, that's exactly what I have found both anecdotally and from my studies is this elbows down versus elbow back targeting mid-back versus lats. Right. I probably also just use too much weight on the lat pull-down. Oh, is that ego? I do the same. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So, right. um... The only uh, other exercises... Yeah. Sorry, did you have another one? Not so much, like, super recently, but the only other thing that I was going to mention uh, was going to be... Well, I mean, one all the fun stuff that we do with like the sled drag Mm -hmm. like I'm I don't know if you noticed last week when we were doing the sled drag I was doing a simultaneous reverse drag and row that is killer that's that's real fun I really feel like I get like a like a good kind of rear delt upper upper trap pump without that eccentric stress yeah Yeah. I saw you doing it and I wanted to do it but you know I can't yeah not there yet. I tell you, the the hardest part of that is not the actual row, but it's the it's the holding the arm static as you step back. If that oh, if that makes sense. So in other words, like like almost applying like an eccentric stress. Right. In other words, you're not just dropping your arms, stepping back, dragging. Right. Because I'm because I'm never stopping right. my steps back. Right. Feet keep moving. Yeah, the feet keep moving. Oh. So so that slow eccentric as yep. you're walking is, is killer on the upper back. I'm, I'll be excited when I can do that with you. Six weeks. You can do it on one arm. I don't know. 
That might be a little tricky. Well, maybe. The only reason that I'm careful about the one arm stuff right now is because there was a, a minute there where I wasn't using my right arm at all, and it was starting to work over my back. Mm. Like, like the pulling and pushing to one side. Sure. It's starting to work over my back a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I would add in the last year would be like Olympic lifting at CrossFit. Mm. Something that I wouldn't otherwise do on my own. I've done it before, but not, not extensively. Mm-hmm. And CrossFit, by virtue of being in a room that's asking me to do stuff that they do, yeah. Um, and I would say sandbag carries are probably mm. new for me. Carries are not new. Sandbag lap to stand and sandbag carries are new-ish, probably just over a year. Mm-hmm. And I do miss doing them, especially that 200 at my house. Mm-hmm. Um, what I like about sandbag carries is... Um, I'm going to use a word that I hate to use in, in the line of work that we do, but a lot of people understand what I'm trying to say. It feels very functional. Sure. In that you're picking up a dead-ass weight that has no handles. Like, it's not got comfortable handles with knurling on it. Or even, like, you know, rubber this or that or metal this or that. It's just a dead weight that you right. have to figure out how to get close to your center of mass and then stand up with it and walk around with it. Yeah. And so I really enjoy sandbags because they are, and we talked about this on our podcast episode, like non-traditional. Did we talk about like non-traditional, mm-hmm. unconventional tools? Right. I remember that one. The podcast has unconventional tools. We probably talked about sandbags. Yep. But, um, and farmer's carries and all that. Uh, I'd say the sandbags and Olympic lifting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Jesse, who I'm sure is listening right now, our buddy Jesse Riley. Hey, buddy. Uh, he forwarded me somebody's post about, like, I don't know, like the ultimate form of, like, functional training, which was, you know, something mobility, you know, kind of like extreme mobility-oriented, you know, like deep Cossack squats and, you know, stuff like that. Like, we were expressing strength and, like, extreme ranges of motion, which, on the one hand, sure. And he was like, well, and I, maybe I could look up exactly what he said, but it was something to the effect of, you know, what do you think? Is this the ultimate functional fitness thing? Let see, me see. Functional has lost like all meaning in fitness. Okay, that's right. He was, oh, sorry about that. Hang on. So it's this guy doing weighted chin-ups and he's doing loaded Cossack squats and he's doing like Nordic curls and he's doing uh, like skin the cat. You know, so all this stuff that's like, you know, super fun. A lot of like gymnastics oriented stuff. Like deep squats, deep sissy squats. Uh, Again, like Nordic curls, uh, body weight, quad extension, all this stuff. And he was like, uh, uh, yeah, so I mean, it's like, I mean, again, mobility is just strength that people like to put a special moniker on. Right. You know. But, so in any case, so he sent me this thing, is this mobility the quote-unquote ultimate strength training? And I said, no, grappling is. Which goes back to exactly what you said. If you want to talk about what's like the ultimate functional strength, it's... throwing another human being around who's trying to kill you. I'll go simpler than that. (laughs) On Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday, my wife and I picked up a hutch 
from uh, some a seller out of Clarksville, and this hutch weighed a lot, and I don't have an arm right now, so I couldn't really help move it into the car. I helped a little bit, but like, mm-hmm. so to me, like functional has lost all meaning. It just depends on like the context in which you're expressing your found strength. So like grappling. I would agree with you. I think grappling is probably a great example of functional strength. If, whether you could manhandle another human being, I think is a great expression of functional ability. I also think that functional could be as simple as if I'm required to drive up to Clarksville with my wife to pick up a hutch that I don't really want, but she really wants. Yeah, I'm saying it out loud on the podcast. I don't know if I love it yet. It's very cute. She she has very good. Uh, she she picks out stuff that's great. I just it, our house is small. I just I, anyway. Functional strength to me would be: Can I drive to Clarksville and pick up a massive hutch that weighs an ass load and move it into my own house? You know, here's maybe another good way of defining like what functional strength or training is: be, training to meet whatever your most pressing demand is going to be. And a lot of times. You don't know what that is going to be. Some people are going to live a really cushy life, and they will never have anything more extreme than... Whatever they do in the gym. (laughs) Or, or, you know, like, maybe maybe moving the couch from, like, one side of their apartment to the other, or something like that. And then you're going to have other people whose biggest challenge in life is going to be, you know, getting lost in the mountains. Or fending off a mugger. Right, I don't think... Or picking up a hutch with one arm. And I'll be honest, I'm not even sure I know what a hutch is. It's like a... Do you know what a credenza is? I, I, you're getting colder. Yeah, um, it doesn't matter. It's a big piece of furniture. It's a big Do you put awkward, clothes in it? No, you put like... <laughs> I don't know what you put in it. I'm going to find out. <laughs> Uh, could I have a ruby red, please? Sure. I'm going to do the same. Same thing? Yeah, thank yes, you. Yes, thank you. You want ruby red the same? Or you want oh, the, 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 the oatmeal style. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, in terms of, like, functional strength, I doubt this guy doing loaded Kazakh squats would survive in the wilderness any better than any, like... Well, any, hang on, hang on. Anybody else. Is a hutch a functional piece of furniture? Yeah, I think. <laughs> It functions in that it stores stuff. But we don't know what it stores quite yet. Uh, it stores... It stores things that need to be stored. Mm, that narrows it down. Which is debatably... If we own things that need to be stored and not necessarily seen, then my question is, why have it? At all. That's maybe a conversation for another day. That's a conversation with my wife for another day. <laughs> We've had this conversation. We have the hutch. But I, could, I couldn't... I I had to text my neighbor and he had to come over and help me move it because mm-hmm. I don't have an arm. Sure. So, like, injury... But the point being, in terms of, like, the ultimate expression of functional strength, it depends on the context. Like, can I move a hutch that weighs 300 pounds or whatever? Yeah. That, that's about as functional as I ever need to get. And here's the funny thing about this is I, I make this joke all the time, and I'm only half joking when people are like, you're strong, you can X, Y, Z, whatever. And I'm like, I this this is all for show. 
That's all, I'm all, all show no go. And I, I'm only half joking because I do try to, to do fitness in a way that makes me useful in the outside world. But let's be honest, doing high rep cleans has no bearing on whether or not I can move a fucking hutch. It doesn't. Like, sorry. Or doing right. like a bunch of pull-ups has no bearing on whether I can move a hutch. It doesn't. Sure. So I'm all, I say I'm all show no go, and that's that's only a half lie. But you know that that reminds me. I was watching a workshop where uh, this like renowned uh, strength coach was training. I believe he was training an Australian. Uh, bodybuilding pro and it was very interesting to see this bodybuilding pro guy move like under the instruction of a classic strength coach and I believe right Ruby. Ruby's has in the thank you thank you so You're much appreciate you oh, look at that foam it's, it's quite a head you got there mm. And the beer's good too. Hey yo. <laughs> and the the strength coach was teaching this bodybuilder like how to like deadlift heavy or like to increase his deadlift. And it was so interesting to see how like this bodybuilder guy who was if I'm stating the obvious was like huge, like totally jacked. And yet Athletically, if I'm using that word, you know, somewhat loosely, he he was kind of almost moving like the Michelin Man, like his muscles were balloons, like they were. And again, I'm kind of stating the obvious here, but I think he had so much mass that it was like the muscles were inhibiting his proprioception. And it was it was a very interesting thing to watch. So how he was he, huge, and yet he was awkward around a barbell. Super awkward. How much did he deadlift though? I think they got up to like, I mean, not much because they were working on just mechanics. Right. But like maybe two twenty five. It was it was very interesting. Like like the whole idea of like coordinating, like setting your lats, and like grinding off the floor and like acceleration as you go through a lift it's like the guy would like kind of just like drop the bar not not for any other reason other than like he almost didn't know like what to do with it so the interesting thing about this is i think superficially if you're listening to what we're saying here you're like oh this giant muscle-bound bodybuilder he needs, he needs to do more functional training. And, it's, it, and here's where I think you and I will agree. Careful with how you use the word functional because for a bodybuilder, whether you deadlift two plates or you deadlift six plates is irrelevant. Right. Because all you need in terms of functionality for your sport is to look like a Greek god on steroids. Right. Dep- and depending on the arena, you might be on steroids, you might not be. There's some natty competitions and there's... Everybody else. Everybody else. But but that's sort of the point here is you, and you take someone who's a bodybuilder, you throw him into a powerlifting routine, and he's probably not going to be great at it. I, I say not great. By pedestrian standards, he's probably going to be pretty fucking good. 
But by powerlifting yeah. standards, he's not because that's not his sport. Yeah. Powerlifting is not a bodybuilder's sport. They there's crossover, but they're not the same. Yeah. And so, yeah, you might look at that and be like, "Oh, look how unfunctional he is." It's like it, it, let's care, let's be careful about the frame of reference here because. Sure. His ability to deadlift is irrelevant. Does he look like a Greek god on stage? And who gives a shit how he got there? Wait, like whatever tools he used to get there. And a lot of people, this is a sidebar we can discuss another time. A lot of people would argue that the deadlift is a terrible exercise for bodybuilding. So there's sure. that. Right. But believe yeah. that. Yeah. Well, again, it's like functional is what you need it to be. Right. If, well, he, if he needs to win a show to pay the rent. Then that's the most functional thing. For exactly him. <laughs> right, and so whether or not he can deadlift is irrelevant. It's not right. his sport. It'd be like taking a bodybuilder and throwing him into like an Olympic thing, like a like a like doing the rings. Right, he's probably going to suck ass at it because that's not his sport. Now, people who do the rings look great, but that's sort of a byproduct of their like right. athletic training or whatever. But but we can't. We have to be careful when we when we use the terms functional or functionality. We need to be careful about our frame of reference and who we're talking about. Yeah. Like a yeah. CrossFitter is probably not going to be a great football player. A great football player may or may not be a great bodybuilder. A great bodybuilder is not going to be a great, I don't know, tennis player. Right. You know, these arenas are not suited for these athletes. And so we have to be careful when we use the words functional. Functional for what? Right. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing, and again, I don't want to sound like I'm dogging on this particular guy, but his uh, <clears throat> like work capacity was surprisingly small. I don't doubt it. <laughs> like you know, like like they were doing like a set of like okay, like real slow, and again, this was like 135 to 185 pound deadlift, and it was like all right, like let's dial in the hinge, like let's dial up, like you know, this like. You know, these kind of slow reps. And again, like, do a set of five. And the dude was like, ooh. Winded. Catching his breath. So, all that to say, like I'm sure I say almost every single episode, you get what you train for. You can, and again, these are not either-or conversations. Right. Like, Arnold, Arnold and Franco were champion powerlifters. And the best bodybuilders of all time. Right. So it's it's rarely are these things either or conversations. It's a matter of managing compromises, and and you just you just get what you train for. Right. You know. So. All yeah. Right. You you want to philosophize for the last ten minutes? Sure. I guess so. Well, I'm finally done with this little book, Mastery, and I don't know if there's necessarily anything in here that I specifically want to go over but there was one quote in here that I really liked oh you know this this is actually kind of a random one that kind of might go along with our idea of training for quote unquote functionality um, there's a story in here about you know like Zen monks and you know basically the difference between sitting in meditation versus your daily life. Um, and here's, here's a quote from the book. Zen practice is ostensibly, ostensibly 
organized around periods of sitting in meditation and chanting. Yet every Zen master will tell you that building a stone wall or washing the dishes is essentially no different from formal meditation. And this is why I have highlighted the quality of a Zen student's practice is defined just as much by how he or she sweeps the courtyard as by how he or she sits in meditation. Could we apply this way of thinking to less esoteric situations? Could all of us reclaim the lost hours of our lives by making everything, even the commonplace, along with the extraordinary, part of our practice? Mm. So that maybe kind of goes along with the same conversation, this theme around functionality. What you're doing in the gym versus what you're doing in real life. I like that. Training is life, life is training, that kind of thing. I also like this idea that um, turn, like, like turning, uh, like doing dishes or like mundane chores into like a, almost like a Zen meditation kind of practice. It's not a mundane chore that needs to be done necessarily. It is, but it also isn't. Right. Or it could be a time for like reflection or whatever. Yeah. Every moment you have is what you make it. Yeah. And there's something to be said for like... Um, it helped me, like, when I was having, like, bouts of anxiety, it helped me to stay busy, like, keep my hands busy, so, like, doing dishes and vacuuming and mopping, or doing the, you know, yard work or whatever was a great expression of energy in a way that made me feel a little bit better about shit going on. So. <clears throat> Probably the only other, other highlight that I have here that I think is really neat um, I'll go ahead and read. So I'll go ahead and read this whole paragraph. So this is from chapter 11, not bankruptcy, but <laughs> chapter 11, getting energy for mastery. So if you want to get good at anything, you're going to have to summon the energy to do it when you don't want to do it. Mm. Right? Right? Uh. That's... That's a whole other conversation. I would say the best workouts are the ones that you do when you don't want to do it. 100%. 100%. And that is exactly what, what we're going to be talking about here. So I'll go ahead and read this paragraph. A human being is the kind of machine that wears out from lack of use. Hmm. There, there are limits, of course, and we do need healthful rest and relaxation. But for the most part, we gain energy by using energy. Often, the best remedy for physical weariness is 30 minutes of aerobic exercise. In the same way, mental and spiritual lassitude is often cured by decisive action or the clear intention to act. We learn in high school physics that kinetic energy is measured in terms of motion. The same thing is true of human energy. It comes into existence through use. You can't hoard it. And this is what I have highlighted here. As Fritz Perls, the founder of Gestalt Therapy, used to say, quote, I don't want to be saved. I want to be spent. It might well be that all of us possess enormous stores of potential energy, more than we could ever hope to use. I really like that. I think I'm going to take that book with me. <laughs> Thank you. You got it, man. So, that I I believe is a 
is a core truth about a lot of things in life. You know, you get what you put out. You know what I really like about that? There once was a thought process that um, we have a limited number of heartbeats in our lifetime. Mm. It's a physical like physical activity exercise would waste those heartbeats and we we're going to die younger, which is clearly absurd. But to sort of feed into this quote, it's almost like how do I... In a, in a way, I'm going to use it's like I'm going to say this in a metaphorical kind of way. How can I put more heartbeats into my life? Like, how much can I put more out? It's not the, you know, what is it? It's not the moments in your life. It's not the, it's it's not the number of moments in your life. It's how much life you put into the moments. Ooh, something like that. Something like that. So I agree. <laughs> like generally, I like that phrase, but also in terms of like physical activity. Yeah. That's what I love about physical activity, and this is what I love about yard work. Is like it's fun and playful, and some days you and I would agree. Some days are better than others, but there are days where we just kind of like get in a rhythm of like seeing how hard we can go, and like sustain it. So it's not like insane. We're not like doing burpees over tires with sledgehammers and shit. Like it's not crazy, but it is a sort of like energy about yard work. It's like let's do the thing and keep going and see what we can get out. Like what can we squeeze out of this time? And I do really appreciate that. Like it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of hard work and sweaty and whatever. But it's also like what's the upper limit of what I can put into this moment? Mm. And that's a whole skill in and of itself. And, you know, they say if you want something done, give it to a busy person. I've never heard that before, but... You haven't? <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a cliche saying. If you want it done, give it to a busy person. Because ah. they're busy getting shit done. Okay. I think I'm going to name the podcast, Get Busy Getting Shit Done. <laughs> there you have it. But, yeah, so that, that specific quote... I don't, I'm not interested in being saved, I'm interested in being spent. That, uh, that, that speaks to me. I like that. Yeah. Alright, I'm gonna come back to this. Yeah. Alright, shut us down. Alright. Unless there's an announcement or whatever. Uh, I do have a quick announcement oh, that okay. we will, I'm, that we will for sure be talking about for the next couple months. Um, the Music City Liftapalooza. Mm-hmm. is officially on the calendar for the weekend of October 16th and 17th. Nice. So that is going to be a two-day strength party that's going to be taking place in Germantown. It's right outside of downtown Nashville. I'm going to go light on the strength and heavy on the party. That also works. <laughs> uh, so I just had a conference call with the four guest coaches that are coming in. Can you name them? I can. I can. Yep. So we've got Jeff Sokol from... Sokol Strong? Sokol Strong. Whoa. Yeah. From okay. Seattle, Washington. We've got Jen Meehan from Alexandria, Virginia. I know that name, but anyway. All right. And we've got Ben Swartz from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I also know that name, but... Yeah, if you follow me, you've probably seen, seen me repost... All of these folks' content. And last but not least, Tracy Cook. Oh, very cool. From Savannah, Georgia. Nice. Yeah. So, 
they will all be convening on our humble humble town here at Provita. So Provita is the facility, the gym, the awesome space where um, where we're going to be hosting the event. So that is officially on the books. And so we're going to be covering everything from barbell powerlifting to kettlebell swings and Turkish get-ups and mobility and pull-ups, bodyweight training, and I'm going to have some other super fun stuff up my sleeve as well. But if anybody is even remotely interested in nerding out around some of the stuff that you've heard like Andy and I talking about or anything you know that you've seen like in my content you know around training um, this is going to be a super duper deep dive and again the operative word is fun and party so this is going to be beginner friendly and it is for coaches and fitness enthusiasts alike nice yeah it sounds like a lot, like, sounds like a lot of fun yeah, it's, I, I'm specifically curating these coaches and the topics to offer a truly unique seminar experience that um, you're not going to get anywhere else and doing it in the spirit of fun and learning about yourself, about training. And again, if you're a coach, you're going to be armed with you know, dozens of new perspectives and ideas around coaching and training. And if you're just an enthusiast, a beginner, intermediate, or advanced, um, you're also going to be able to get some, you know, specific kind of hands-on coaching and, you know, attention um, and, you know, the opportunity to really take your game to the next level. So those those are the those are kind of like the guiding principles and the promises that I am keeping in mind as we set up this event. So again, that's going to be this October in Nashville, the 16th and the 17th, and I will have the registration page live by the time you hear this episode. Boom! You're so on it. You're so busy. I've got stuff for you. <laughs> exactly. So that's it. That's all I got. All right. A to Z, no BS. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time. Bye.